you guys hear this with every podcast. Like, subscribe, follow, and all of that. We're not big. We're not a large podcast. We don't have a large audience yet, which we hope to get to. But every little thing you guys can do right now will help us grow. So please do me a favor. If you guys like this podcast or if you hate this podcast, go out to iTunes and rate it. Leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right or doing wrong. Anything helps. Also, if you're on Spotify or any of the other major networks, go out there and rate it and like it. But please, most of all, share it. That's what's going to help us the most. I connect today with my buddy, Roy Aguilon. Roy was a CB builder chief who joined in the late 80s and served until 2013. Roy spent a lot of his time as a CB doing construction work and construction administration as part of his duties. Roy went to Kosovo, Iraq, and Afghanistan during his time in. So you guys, he has a great story. Roy got the local CB chapter for retired and veteran CBs to connect started here in San Antonio. And he has that information in the show. So you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy this. Snap it in. All right. So we're back again today. I'm talking to a really good friend of mine, Roy Aguilon. I can never say your last name right. Aguilon. Pretty close. There we go. Roy, I met him at NAS San Antonio when I was working there on active duty. And Roy was a CB. Say hi, Roy. Hi. How are you all doing? So um, let's, uh, let's get right into it. So okay. are you a Texas-born native? Yes. So you've, um, what part of Texas did you grow up in? San Antonio, in, uh, oh, okay. in the south side of San Antonio. You have to so, put south side in there. <laughs> so as you were growing up, did you have a military family or military background or was it? No, not at all. I mean, um, there was a few that joined because they were voluntold to in Vietnam. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was nobody else really entered services. I guess um, my two cousins before I joined, one joined the Air Force, the other one joined the Navy. So, and then the only reason I joined was I was going to SAC at the time. And then uh, I never skipped school in high school. And then I learned at SAC, well, you could skip school, but <laughs> it, I think I lost you. I I totally get it. All right, we got you back, which is a good thing. Okay, so um, you were saying you didn't ditch school in high school. What's that? You said you weren't ditching school in high school, but oh yeah, I did college in high school. So when I went to San Joe College, I was like, I learned like, oh, I don't have to go to class. Nobody's going. There's no principal here to yell at me. So <laughs> what Nick used to say, I failed. So by flunking out, I was like, well, what I'm going to do now? So uh, one of the options was uh, the Marine Corps I was going to go to, but the Navy recruiter was next door and he saw me come to the restroom and he pulled me to the side and we started talking. I said, well, I might want to do the Navy instead. So, So how old were you at this time? I was 19. Yeah, I what, turned 20 in boot camp. What year was that? I joined in 80, 
88. And then my, uh, I left for boot camp in January 17th of 89. Oh, it's coming up here in a couple couple days. Damn, yeah. I showed up to boot camp on January 27th, but you, like me, had three different options to go to boot camp. Yes, uh, you, had, you had East Coast, West Coast, and the frozen hellhole known as Great Lakes. And that's where I went. <laughs> that's where I went too. And being from Southern California, and I will assume the same for you being from South Texas. Oh, Lord. January was a surprise. It was. I was wearing, I was wearing my cowboy boots when I got off the plane and <laughs> standing in line in Great Lakes. Oh, Lord, it was cold. <laughs> was there a, was it? Just cold, or was there like snow on the ground at that point in time? Oh, there was snow, wet, cold, miserable. So, <laughs> uh, yes, good old Navy boot camp. So, did you go in open contract, or did you have a job that you knew you wanted? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I had a had a great job. It was called CTR, Crypto Tech Repair, and <laughs> I didn't. It was it was like one year long school, A school. I was like, all right, this is good, but. As you know, in boot camp, they have that, uh, I guess, when you go into top secret stuff. Oh, they when do, they do the security click? Check. Yeah, yeah. You know, that one week or one day they go in to scare everybody to tell them the truth or whatever. Yeah. The, it was right after work week. And I, was, I was tired, frustrated. I was bitchy, you know. And so the chief back then said, is there anything else you haven't told us? We're going to have the FBI go investigate your mom, your dad, your teachers, blah, 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 your neighbors. I was like, no, Eric. The only thing I haven't disclosed was um, a ticket my recruiter said I didn't have to put down. He's like, oh, what's that? I was like, minor possession. He turned his chair around, and I was in the reserves. I was a reservist going to boot camp. He turned his chair around and says, make this man a boatswain's mate. I was like, uh, uh, but I had a school. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so they weren't joking around. And I mean, I don't want to say in fairness, but back then you were still in the middle of the Cold War, too. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that must have kicked you in the nuts. It did. And I was, um, so I was like, what am I going to do? Boot camp ended. I moved across the street to their um, made A school or whatever, you know, the apprenticeship school. And, um, I talked to the instructor there. I said, look, I'm a reservist. I told him the situation. I need to find my A school. He said, all right. And if, if you can't do it, you have to come back and complete this thing when, you know, I said, all right. So I went to the back and they gave me a, two or three options. One was a, a book binder. I can't remember the name of it. One, I, some A school, I can't remember the name of the A the rating. The other one was a signal signalman. And the last one was a carpenter in the CBs. I was like, what's the CBs? I said, you know what? I was a carpenter's uh, helper before I joined. I'll do that. So nice. that's how I'm glad. I'm glad everything happened for a reason. And yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So yeah. let's go jump back into boot camp. So here you are, you're 20 years old from South Texas, freezing your nuts off and oh. great mistakes, Illinois. So, oh, yeah. so for people who I think we've talked about this a lot, because now we had two very, very amazing locations for boot camps, San Diego, California, and Orlando, yeah. Florida. Then we had the third hellhole. <laughs> and when the Navy said, we're just going to have one boot camp, 
Let's see. Ocean, ocean, gigantic lake. And they chose the gigantic frozen lake. Yeah. Um, I know I had like a, what they called cold factor five day when I went through. It was something like with the wind chill, minus 70 degrees. Oh, no. Yeah. Can be out so longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it was put on all of your cold weather gear, line up in the uh, ladder well and run to the chow hall across the street. Yeah. So how was your first couple months in boot camp? Because I mean, January is cold, but February and March seem to be far worse than oh, January. It was interesting. Um, give me a second. I'm going to close one of these doors. It's getting cold in here. All right. Uh, got to pause it. All right. So where we're going, it was, I had to shut down to my garage doors because it's getting cold in here, like making great mistakes. Back in the camp. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, you know what? My first impression was, what the hell did I get myself into? Uh, and then uh, after that, I was like, all right, I'm going to make the best of it. My name is Joe. Nobody, you know, you're average Joe and nobody knows who you are. You're not going to stand out. That's my one guy told me, don't stand out. Don't be that guy. Just be Joe. You know, you're, and you're just melting in the background and you'll be okay. I was like, all right, I could do that. And I, I did that for a while. And then um, my, it was weird. My um, boot camp, the company I was with, I guess it's like 90 somewhat people right in boot camp. And in my particular one, we had over 70 people that were reservists in boot camp with me. So oh, wow. we, didn't, we didn't march good, but we were smarter than <laughs> other companies. <laughs> so we, we didn't have, we would see the other companies, like the sister companies down at, uh, you know, we could see them through, the building was kind of like a square. So you could see the other companies through windows. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can see them getting, uh, what do we call mesh or mesh all the time, you know, doing push-ups, sit-ups, all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Getting. And so yeah, we, we didn't do that a lot. We'd study more. So <laughs> it's like, Oh, sucks to be them. <laughs> but, uh, cold wise, I would thought, the first thing we did, everybody was in dungarees, which I, one of the best uniforms, I still think. I, I still think so, too. And then uh, we had the watch caps and the ski mask. And I thought that's what everybody, that's what Navy wears. And then one day, I think it was like March, we almost graduated, right? It was almost March time. And uh, they said, put on their um, Dixie cup. We could wear those. <laughs> it was like a proud day. Hey, I'm I'm officially a sailor. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, that that was. Um, I don't think we put ours on till after we finished like the final event thing. But yeah, it it was it was way. It was like a rite of passage. You had your recruit ball cap, and then you got your navy ball cap, mm -hmm. which I guess they still do now. Um, but so, you how are you physically? when you went to boot camp, Ooh, I, mean, I know we don't have a physical boot camp, but they're still passing the PFA and there's amazingly yeah, still was, people who don't pass. I was 165 pounds. <laughs> Damn, I was you were tiny. Yeah. And, but uh, I can do a sit up or push up to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think uh, before I left, I, you know, you practice. I was like, I did 10. And I was out of breath. I was like, oh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but 
I made it through. You know, it was there was a thank God boot camp was more of a gradual setup. Yeah. Or they they knew your limits, so they maximized it and made you work hard for it. So, yeah, I, I remember uh, the two things that stood out to me were the people who couldn't pass the PFA by the time they got done with boot camp, and oh. the people who lost their shit in the pool. I don't know why I always found it hilarious that people had so much trouble with the pool. Oh my God. The pool was fun. There was this big, uh, big guy on the top of the dining board. And when he pushed, they pushed him in to the water and he was like a cat. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And then, well, it was time for my swimming to swim around the pool. Um, okay. So when we get into the pool, right. I don't know if it happened to you like this or not. When you go into the pool, and it's it's the Navy divers divers pool and the SEAL team. There's it's their pool, right? So they say everybody has to be clean. So take a shower before we get in my pool. It's like all right, take a shower, and then you have your trunks in one hand, and they said, okay, there's a pole, I'm like, well maybe thirty inches high, with water squirting out everywhere, and they said, okay. Walk in between them. It's like I was the first one to come out. They said, "Okay, you're gonna walk with the your legs with the pole like this, and you're gonna have the water going up your ass and stuff." I was like, "Oh, you know what? I got soap in my hair. I'm going back in." So I had somebody else go first because I don't want to be that guy. They're like, "Oh, they're fucking with him." So, and sure enough, we had to do that. I was like, "What the hell is this?" But anyway, yeah, we didn't that have that. No, we're lucky. You, <laughs> it was it was the weirdest shit ever. <laughs> leave it to the navy to come up with that one so um as i ask everyone from whatever branch they are there came the day that you went to a special little place at boot camp that was full of stuff that made you cry how was your time in the gas chamber oh it was great because i went in 89 it was cold and it was too cold to go to the gas chamber. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> too cold to go to the gas chamber. And it was too cold to do that firefighting training. So wait, how was it too cold to do the firefighter training? Remember I went in 89. So when, I don't know what year you went, maybe they had something improved where you had to do it inside. Uh, all the firefighting training was outside. Oh, okay. I know ours was inside in this huge uh, warehouse simulator type thing. Oh, no. no. Everything was outside and they had like a big, it was just, everything was still, so it was too cold to do it. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So um, then you, so you said you left boot camp, you graduated boot camp. Uh, I didn't ask you, how'd your family feel about you doing the Navy? Um, some mixed emotions, but I think overall they thought it was a good fit for to go. Because there was, they figured if I stay home, there was nothing I was going to be doing that was be beneficial for myself. So yeah, no, that that makes sense. Did you? Uh, did any of them come up to, to your graduation? No, we didn't. Then we didn't have that much money back then. So. Oh, okay. That. So you get. You said you went over and talked to the boats in a school and got reclassed again. To, was it a BU at the time? Yeah, it was a BU. Uh huh. Builder. Um, so did you get off orders, go back to San Antonio and then have to get back on well, orders to go to no, no, school? Because, uh, the school hadn't started. Uh, it was uh, another, I was actually starting the next day 
or in two days. And so the day they gave me my, they said, okay, you could be a builder. They give me my orders, go pack your bags. Here's the plane ticket. And so everything happened within hours and I took off. So, awesome. so you- here I am leaving Great Lakes, Illinois, Chicago in a peacoat, you know, all this stuff. Get to um, Gulf War, Mississippi and it's hot as hell. <laughs> Yeah, um, the Navy likes to pick the some of the worst places to do their schooling. <laughs> um, I can only imagine because you you would have got there what late March, early March. Yeah, late March. Yeah, somewhere in between there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's right when the heat's starting to kick up in the South. Oh yeah. And and the state bird, the the mosquitoes are starting to come out in force. Yes. So how long was back then? How long was uh, Builder A School? Oh. Let's see. April, May, June. About it was about three to four months. I don't know how many weeks that is. About. So what what do they actually teach you guys in Builder A School? Um, everything from building like we'll go out and we start building like a like a house, but a modified house. So it'll be it'll be like ten by ten instead of a regular size house. So we do everything from. The foundation would be mason, masonry or CMU, you know, those concrete blocks. Yeah. So we'll do that. And then we'll make some, we'll make some concrete slabs, little concrete slabs. Um, we'll do, we'll do the studs, the walls, the flooring. And then we'll do the finish. I was like some sheetrock, some ceramic tile and uh, roofing and then some hot tar roofing. So, so they, you literally build a house ground up, a tiny house, but a, a tiny house. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize they got that, that deep. So you're learning like, um, how to, how to practical. do a foundation. Yeah. We're learning practical and hands-on. Yeah. Both. Wow. Okay. That was a lot more training than I would have expected. I've never asked that question of any of the CPs I've known oh. before. Um, so anyways, back to the school. So in case people don't know, and I totally blaze over this with so many different times I've talked to people, uh, what exactly their job is. So a CB is the Navy Construction Battalions. And they were created during World War II to go up, to go forward with the Marines to say, help build airfields or um, small bases, right? Right. And they are outside of, so this is my opinion. Outside of the SEALs, they are probably the most forward um, expeditionary units, ground expeditionary units that the Navy has. Yeah. Because you guys also you guys also learn combat skills, right? To an That's extent. correct, yeah. More or more, yeah, combat skills and then um, defensive skills. Um, yeah, we go to all these little training. It's, it's a lot of fun stuff and a lot of boring stuff. So... It's a lot of training with the Marines and different people. So, so like with the um, with CB school, um, did you do any like ground combat training as well when you were at a uh, builder school, or was that like an add-on? No, we've never done that in any of that. Um, I think uh, I don't know nowadays if they do it, but no, we didn't do any of that. Back in the day, they used to do that when they had a CB school in Rhode Island. They used to do all that stuff. So, okay. but I think they condensed it a little bit shorter. You know how 
government okay. same money uh, kinds of stupid shit but <laughs> so uh, upon graduating builder a school you i'm assuming you come back to san antonio yes to do so to do your drills who did you who were you originally with were you with an mcb 22 that's correct was it yeah so this is right around 1990 by yeah. the time you get home. Yeah. yeah. And at some point in time, I'm trying to remember the exact dates. Uh, I, I'm assuming you come home, you get demobilized or taken off orders and get your normal civilian life starting. Correct. So what happens um, between then and when Desert Shield happened. Did you guys get mobilized for Desert Shield? No, uh, there was a few people that got picked, just uh, volunteered, I guess, and they were went ahead and got picked. I volunteered as well, but I didn't uh, didn't pick me. So, oh, okay. So you, how long do you drill for now? Because um, I mean, I, I think you retired what in 2012, 13? Uh, 13, yeah, 12, 13, yeah. So. Um, did you stay consistently drilling between when you enlisted or did you break service at all? I, I stayed consistently um, back in, let's see, where they were kicking, they were kicking a lot of people out. So back in 1997, 98, 99, somewhere around there, I got kicked out for body fat. So, oh, okay. and this is just prior to the, the team measuring stuff. Yeah. Before then, it was just they went off a chart. How, how tall are you, and what's your weight? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh... Or no, something like, I can't remember what it was. But anyway, it was a little weird. So at that time, I had failed one or two. I can't remember. So I was like, you know what? I'm going. I bought this thing called Tony Little. You know, I can't remember his name, but Tony Little is the guy's name, the instructor that used to do. They used to sell his products at GNC. So. Did his team, did all their workouts, and I lost a ton of weight. I was weighing, I was right at 190, 192. Okay. And then the, the chief back then said, he did the tape or whatever he did. He says, nope, you're 28% body fat. I was like, oh, 25% body fat. I said, what? There's no way. And so I went to the doctor, the medical doctor, because they sent you to a medical doctor. The medical doctor looks at me, he says, there's no way you're 25%, you're 19%. And I took it back to the chief. <laughs> he said, who did this? I said, the doctor. He says, he doesn't know shit. I said, what? So you know more than the doctor does? He said, damn right. I was like, oh my God, now you're 28%. I was like, oh, what the fuck? So he kicked me out, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm not going down without a fight. So I was getting kicked out. I was already got my, um, all my separation papers. I said, you know, I'm not going down without a fight. So I'll call Corpus Christi um, JAG office. And the JAG officer answered, he says, you know what, dude, he's not really hard to fight. Are you sure you want to fight this? I said, yes, sir. Can you help? He said, all right, I'll be down there. So he came to San Antonio. He set up all the appointments, got everybody together, JJ advocate, all these other people. And then um, he calls me. He said, I'm sitting here at Fort Sam. He said, do you mind coming over so we could talk? So I get there and uh, he goes, lift up your shirt. I lift up my shirt. He's like, and he marked you as what? Because I'm right now I'm 240, but back then I was 196. So which 
And it, with the new regs, puts me way under the 22%. But back then, it was, wasn't the new regs. It was the following year, the new regs were coming out. He says, no, we'll go ahead and fight this. We'll, we'll get this. So we'll go to there. And uh, Joe's advocate, we're having like a little trial inside the NOS. And uh, they look at me and they're like, all right. So they write in everything, get all the statements from everybody. And then they tell me, all right, go wait outside. We'll call you when we come back. So they call me back and said, all right, we're realisting you. I was like, great. So my break was in service was a few days, you know. So what what were you what was your uh, rank at the time? E four, I believe. Yeah, E four because I, I I made E four because I came in maybe as an E one, and then just made E three. Right, everybody makes E up to E three pretty easy. And then uh, the first test I took, I made E four right off the bat, and then every other test after that till about nineteen ninety. 1990, 99, no, 2000 was all P&A, P&A. So, yeah. I was like, so which means pass, but not advanced. So the Navy has a really, yeah. <laughs> I used to hate the system before I made chief. Now I kind of appreciate it. But the system for the Navy is you test um, depending on your rank. And this may be outdated, but when I was in and when you were in, it was e E3 to E4, that test, it was 75% your rate knowledge and 25% your um, your general military knowledge. And it kind yeah. of transitioned. So E5 was 50%, 50%. And then E, uh, E6 to E7 was 25% to 75%. And this is a 200-question uh, multiple, multiple guess test. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that do the multiple guessing on that test, but yeah. there's never, but there's never enough billets for everyone to pass a test. So then it combines a whole bunch of points from your evals, your awards. And that's how they come up with the, what they, I think they call it the final multiplier, which determines whether you were in that cutoff zone. So there's a lot of people who are like for Corman in 2004, 2005, I had a buddy who was on his 13th test for uh, HM1. Wow. Um, he was an active duty guy. And if I remember right, the total maximum points you could have to pass was like 220 or 221. Mm -hmm. The cutoff to make HM1 uh, the one year that we were talking about, it, I think he made it two cycles after that, was 219 and a half. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, they were promoting maybe 30 to 50 people at a time at that back then. Cause there were so many first classes that had come back, especially in 2005 after the war kicked off. Oh, which, okay. Speaking of which you spent a good chunk of your career in peacetime. Yeah. Peacetime ish. Um, I know we had, like we already talked about the Gulf, the first Gulf war or desert steel, desert storm. Uh, and then we also had, um, Kosovo, which sadly, that's another forgotten war that no one talks about. I went I mean, there. Did you go to, yeah. did, but did you go during the actual war? Mm -hmm. Right after, um, right. She's, uh, I'm trying to think of dates. Oh, I don't remember the dates, but I was doing right after the plane went down. Not too long after that. I went a few months. Oh, the, that. with the pilot that got. Yeah. 
Okay. So let's talk about that. I didn't, I had no idea that you had gone through that. So, and I mean, you're honestly probably Shep. Uh, I don't know if you remember Shep Reimer. He was one of the uh, Corman chiefs over at the schoolhouse. Um, but he went there after to do like a peacekeeping side to like do medical for a peacekeeping side. But oh, it was during yeah, it was called K Force. So our it was K Force, Kosovo, Kosovo Force. Yeah, K Force. So, so <laughs> let's talk about that. Um, how did that happen? Um, they were looking for extra. The active duty battalions were looking for extra people to um, augment their units, right? Because they needed more people. So. <clears throat> The order was put out, so the our my lieutenant, my lieutenant back then, yeah, she asked, you know, if there's anybody that wants to volunteer, so I volunteered, and um, at that time, me and my ex-wife were having trouble, so I was like, best time to go. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. run so, while you can. <laughs> yeah, so without we, alimony. Yeah, but uh, we went ahead and took off, and they picked me, so we went ahead and um. We met at Porinimi, California. So there was 90, about 110 reserves that got selected to go to augment the battalions going forward. Was this just out of 22 or was this like nationwide? No, nationwide. Okay. So out of 22, I think there was only two of us, two or three okay. of us went down to 22. But the nationwide, there was, some, it was 100, about 110 on so people. So when we get to Port Anemi, they're like, what's going on? How many people are here? So they put us in a warehouse where they had this old, old, old new vehicles, right? So they had a bunch of vehicles in there and then they brought out a, um, a trailer with the uh, showers and some toilets. <laughs> so that's, it was, it was nitty gritty just to the point doing some, some schooling to get caught up and doing the, shots medical stuff like that then they send you forward they send us to uh what was it road to spain well i went to road to spain and that's from road to spain some of us stayed in Rota. some went to different places battalion when the battalion hits road to spain that's their main their main camp and from there oh, okay. it kind of like goes they go have different people to go different places within that area oh, okay half of the battalion went to kosovo uh, some people went to Greece, other people went to, I don't know, Africa and different places to do different missions. So, so for a, uh, I'm assuming you were still in E4. So, uh, B3. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as a young petty officer, you went forward to Kosovo, I, I take it. Yes. What was that experience like? I mean, were you guys, um, were they treating it like a hostile, for lack of a better way, uh, forward movement? Were you guys armed? You know what? When we got there, no, this one was totally bizarre. So we get there, we fly over in a C-130 from the Kosovo. And that takes forever, right? It's just a long, slow flight. And... Um, I don't know if everybody's been on C-130, but going with other people, you're kind of like this sitting in between your your thighs and in between each other's thighs. So it's yeah. it's a horrible flight. It's so long. But anyway, we land there. We land in 
uh, so near Kosovo. I can't remember the name of the place we landed. <clears throat> the NMCB, I think it was NMCB five that came to pick us up or one. Uh, I can't remember the battalion. I'm sorry, but anyway, <clears throat> they came to pick us up, and none of us had. We all had. No, we didn't say we did. We have, yeah, we all had no M16, but no ammo. Right. Oh damn. Yeah. So we get we get to Kosovo, right? We're on back of dues and has and five tons. They we get to Kosovo, <clears throat> and we get to Camp Martith, where we're stationed at. Then they hand us all one magazine with five bullets. Here you go. Here you go. So we're gonna count each bullet every week. You're missing a bullet. We're going. That's cancer mass. You lose one half pay for in three months. I was like, holy shit. We only get five bullets. <laughs> <laughs> they said, yeah, you got the army here to protect you. I was like, okay. Oh. Okay. So what was your, what was the primary mission then for you guys down there? Um, peacekeeping. So we're building up the camp. It was the primary mission, build up the camp. Everybody, was, everybody there those had battalion, of, of army battalion there and they had different, a lot of army people there. So they had us building up the camps, making sea huts, which was um, like a GP medium tent, which typically everybody was sleeping in, which is 16, in, 16 feet by 32 feet. Should sleep a, a squad, right? In each one or, yeah, something like that. So they had us building a modified sea hut, which is six of them put together. So it's 32 feet wide and six put together so 96 feet by 32 feet with a deck all the way around, a five foot deck all the way around. And this middle one was a, had the showers and toilets in there. Okay. So it was, a, it was a lot of work. And so we built all that stuff. And then of course the last ones to move into a, a hard structure or a building was the CVs. So, but it was- How, it was, how it was sweet, you, you guys built all this stuff and you were the last ones in. Yeah. Yep, that was the officer saying no. We're always the last ones to go in. So we had. So now, uh huh. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I just need to tell you a real quick funny story because it, <clears throat> we had a a gunny sergeant. The, the CBs always have one marine attached to them for um, military advisor, right? A military advisor was a, a gunny sergeant. I can't remember his name. It was a uh, you know like most marines, they're pretty pretty built, right? And this guy was ball-headed. So we had outdoor, we had to meet our outdoor showers, outdoor, you know, to shave and stuff like that. And every time he see a, he would shave his head almost every day with a razor. But when he sees the, the army walking by, he'll grab his K-knife or K-bar and start shaving his head. <laughs> and the army's looking at him like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. <laughs> but then when they left, he put the keyboard down and just used the razor. <laughs> oh, God, I love the Marines. They're such, they're such special little children. Um, so did you guys do any um, patrolling or leaving that little camp? Um, yeah, well, they had, well, we'll go back. So my... Back then, I was in the Carpenters Union, so I was a I was a journeyman at that time. So I already I knew my stuff as as a carpenter as well. When I went to Carpenter A School in the Navy. So when um, they found out my skill set, so they put me to a um, 
what they call the Tiger team. So we built, I was in charge of E5s, as a matter of fact, as E4, but we they had us building different special projects. And uh, one time they said, Roy, or they said, Pedro, uh, we need to go here. We're going, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the schoolhouse. So they have the Serbs going in the morning and the, Serb, the Serbs in the morning and uh, Albanians going in the afternoon to school. They still don't get along. So anyway, so we went over there. All the windows were shot out. So we get to the schoolhouse. We had rolls of biscuit, which is plastic and two by fours, two by twos, you know, just to cover up the windows to make it more, uh, keep the wind from coming in. Right. But we get there, here comes, uh, the kids see us coming in and like, what's going on? They all came in, started hugging us, you know, <laughs> it was the coolest feeling, but then we went to work, putting all the plastic up and it's like, so we met the serving kids. We met the Albanian kids. They're all the same. You can't tell one from the other. I couldn't tell which one was serving and which one Albanian. Really good kids. and But I think they don't even know why they were fighting because they've been fighting for so long. They just, they know they had to fight. So there, there's, just, a lot of, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this story for I, what I'm going to assume is going to be other deployments in your in your uh, future yeah and a lot of that same tribal mentality in other countries too oh that's true yeah we did we also built uh, a bridge a walking bridge um i can't remember the name of the little town and they needed the walking bridge so the albanian kids could go to school <laughs> oh then the serbian side so we'll build we're building that walking bridge which is uh it was pretty that was fun stuff because Building the bridge, we had one of the guys that came with us actually was Albanian, but he was in U.S. Navy, CB. So he was, uh, you know, he was, I think he was becoming a citizen, but he knew the language. So he came with us and it was great because he was able to interpret for us what was going on. <clears throat> and uh, we had just finished all project and we we're waiting for our escort to come pick us up. And we walked into the town, which is on patrol by the army. So we walked into town. And <clears throat> I'm walking there and my chain strap is hanging down from my uh, Kevlar helmet. And the army officer, you come over here, John Wayne motherfuckers. <laughs> you got to buckle those things up. You're not John Wayne. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so we just kept on walking through town and then there was a pizza place there. And then uh, it's like, oh, pizza. And so the Albanian guys went in there and said, we started talking. Oh, yeah, come on in. So we went in there, started eating. And then some, some uh, I guess he was Canadian or something from someplace else. He said, oh, when did they lift? Uh, you guys are eating here now? I said, we're all looking. So well, yeah. Did they lift it? Because it was off limits to U.S. Uh, military. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so how long did you stay in Kosovo? Uh, nine months. Oh, okay. So it was, it was a pretty long deployment then. Yeah. So at any time, did you kind of wish you had gone active duty or were you kind of over it? By the time <clears throat> you no, I really did wish I went active duty. I tried for a couple of times, but then, uh, they said, well, you're E4, you were going to bring it down as E3 and you go in. And I said, no, I can't take that pay cut. But by then I already had two kids and a wife is like, that's a big cut in pay. I can't take it right now. So 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because when I tried to come back in in 2004, I tried to go active duty and they were like, nope, too old. Oh, really? <laughs> you were a reservist. You got to go the reserve route. I, I heard it all. And, and in fact, after 9-11, which is what we'll touch on in a second, I went to the recruiter and at 32 at that point in time, they were like, nope, you're too old to join. What? Yeah, it it was stupid. And I found out later it was just a recruiter that didn't want to. There's something about bringing prior service people back in that well, affects their numbers different. Well, that affects their numbers different than bringing in a fresh boot. Like they get oh, more credit well. for the fresh boot than they do a prior service guy. At least um, that's what I my other recruiter had told me. So um, I'm assuming this is what, 98 timeframe when you went over to Kosovo? Well, actually 99. Okay. 99 and so, the, the Y2K or white, whatever it's called in Kosovo. Yeah. yeah. So now you're, a, you come home and I'll foreshadow what was saying. You have about a year and a half before shit changes again. Um, what do you, what were you doing when you got home and off orders? Were you being a contractor still going through the union process? No, I went to work for, I don't know, community college district. I just quit the union because got tired, laid off. The money was great, right? But uh, when I went to work for ACCD, which is Allen Community College, I think I took a five dollar hour pay cut. Oh, I just and I just wanted because the benefits were going to be good. Constant work, I don't have to worry, and it was easy work, so I didn't have to all kinds of other stuff. I didn't have to because back then in the Carver's Union, we built a we built sky rises, right? So the library downtown, <clears throat> um, come a couple of the hospitals, different things we built. So it was a lot easier work doing maintenance than doing actual construction. So I was like, oh, all right, okay. I could I take this and because I know one place I just have to go and it's close to the house. So it's going to save on gas, stuff like that. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so speaking of skyscrapers, um, that inevitable day comes on September 11th. Do you remember uh, what you were doing and oh. what was going on with you personally during September yeah, I was, 11th? I was working at St. Phillips College at that time. And I was working for, well, I was putting up a door, a little small door, like to where they do all the testing. So she needed a door to lock in place to keep all the test booklets and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And this lady was a prior, a former Marine, right? Little, little short lady, former Marine. If you, you get the picture, she still has a mentality. Yeah. So I'm walking in with the, my card. I have my tools, took it to there, came back, went to go get the door, bring it in. And they have a TV in the foyer. So I was like, uh, but, you know, before that, going into work, I heard in the radio, a plane just hit the, one of the towers, like, Fucking dumbass. I'm thinking a small plane, you know, just a vision line, a small twin engine plane or single engine plane. Like, what a fucking idiot. Maybe he had a heart attack. So that's what I thought. And then here I'm coming back in and here comes the second plane. And you know, everybody just stopped and looked at the TV. And that little Marine chick I was working for that does the testing said, We're going to war, boys. We're going to war. I was like, The fuck is she talking about? Sure enough, we went to war. So, yeah. So, did uh, did she know that you were a CB? Did she? Yeah, know that you yeah, yeah. So we talked about it for a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, she said we're going to war, and it's like, 
And then uh, I think a couple hours later, he said, everybody get the hell out here. We're going, everybody go home. And so we're just walking out on TV. It's like, oh my God. And so uh, right at the end of there, I picked up the phone, called the, uh, the chief and everybody else. Hey, what are we going to do? You need something? Said, as a matter of fact, we need some people to go to NOS tonight to babysit. And you want to go? So me and a couple other guys, different units, right? Went to the NOS. We spent the night at the NOS. And the NOS gave us an M16. Here you go. And the bullets? No, you don't need the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> you you got a running thing with like not getting any ammo when you get a gun. <laughs> yeah, but back then the NOS was now the NOS is secured within the Fort Miami Houston area, right? They have a fence built around. But before then there was no fence. You could park on that, the grass. That, that that rot wire or that metal fence that goes around all of Bamsi and the NOSC wasn't there? No. Mm-mm. Oh no. Geez. It was open. I, I do remember people saying that Fort Sam used to be an open base where like uh, new Walters you could take or new. That's Brothels right. You could it take. was open base. That's correct. And that's why um, as soon as that happened, they had, they had to get a lot of people there to stand in the buildings. So just in case something happened. And then right after that, here comes all these Jersey barriers, the little, the little concrete barriers stacked in there. And so, and then there, here comes the fences, the hard, you know, it just took a little bit of time, but they built it up pretty quick. So what was your thought though, uh, during that first few days, did you think you're going to, I mean, you come back from Kosovo a year and a half earlier. Um, yes. did you think I'm going again? I think everybody wanted to go again. So yeah, I wanted to go. And, um, we got orders finally to go, I think in 2003 to go. And, um, well, everybody's in Puerto Nimi again. We're like, all right, we're getting ready to go. We've got our marching orders. We're, we're doing this, we're doing that. We're doing all kinds of training. And then they call the war over, <laughs> you know, George Bush back then, he got in his ship and said, the war's over. President Bush said, oh, yay, but damn, we did all this shit. And so everybody going home. <laughs> We're cutting the orders loose. We're all going home. So, I, all right. So I volunteered to go to a, um, another, um, it was to build houses in the Indian Reservation up in the Hoopa Indians up in Northern California. Oh, nice. Nice. Home, How was Humboldt, that? Yeah. Humboldt County, home of the finest herbs now. <laughs> so how, how, how was, so you're the second person I know, um, my junior corpsman, so my buddy Ray, who was with me in Iraq, he actually had done, so he went back to back to Iraq, but he was a reservist. But prior to that, he had gone up to do some road work up in Alaska with the Navy. Oh, really? On, on Inuit land, I think. Yeah. So you're like the second person. I Actually, no, I take that back. You're the third person. Uh, Commander Cole, who used to drill at the uh, NOSC, she did like her a lot of her nursing work with the Navy on the Indian reservations. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they begged the, the treaty back in what it was in 1800 something. They said the, the government would be responsible for your land and for your upkeep and stuff like that. So we went over there, built a, we built one house and the air force was going to build another house. So it was, it was interesting going over there. It was something different yeah i could imagine um 
because there's also that rule where CBs aren't really supposed to be doing construction work on U.S. soil, or at least on on bases. Because I remember when when I was with sixteen, we, we were at Los Alamitos, uh, the old Los Alamitos Naval Air Station. Yeah. By uh by the old Long Beach Naval Hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. That place was a dump, and they had contractors coming in and trying to like do assessments for rebuilding like the battalion headquarters wow. had shit falling apart inside of it. But because it's like, well, you guys are CBs. Why don't you fix this? They're like, we're not allowed to, we can't touch this property because it has to go out to local civilian contractors for the community. To, I didn't like, know that. Need, like, yeah. I, that's at least what they said. It was like, so we can't, even though we have the ability to do it, we're not allowed to because we would be taking away from the local economy. Oh, okay. Yeah. We could, we did some things, some small things. Yeah. You're like, right. I think you could fix a light socket, but you couldn't tear down a wall or something like that. No, there was a few things we could do like build a fence, do maybe minor things, but yeah. Like you like could rebuild a building. building. Yeah. We couldn't do that unless it's overseas. Yeah. So, um, you guys, so were you guys slated to go over for, um, Iraq then? Is that what they were training you guys up for? Or was that for an advanced um, deployment? That was Iraq. Okay. Yeah, I believe it was Iraq. So and then, um, in 2006 is when they called us all up. Um, but well, yeah, let's see. So in 2000, 2006, I was in uh, 9th NCR with the 9th uh, Naval Construction Regiment. So the regiments are over the battalion. So I was like in a headquarters unit. So so what rank were you at this time? I was E6 at that time. So a BU1 then. BU1, uh-huh. Yes, because the Navy Special, we like to use our rates and our ranks <laughs> combined just to confuse the hell out of everybody. Yeah. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so... You um at this point in time, are you still at Alamo Community College doing that, or are you no actually? Um, I had we had right after the Cold War, right in between those two times, we we had a um what I have a project going on in uh Philippines. So the chief back then, he was I think it was chief or senior chief, he said. I want you to come along, I, you know, you know your stuff. So I said, all right. So we went over there and um, they active duty guys gave us all kinds of crap to build, right? So I was like, no, chief, let's build it this way because, and then he looked and said, okay, you're right. So we did it my way. And uh, after that, he said, you know what, come work for me. I said, okay. He worked at, uh, he was, he was civil service, so he was in charge of uh, the maintenance on civil service. So I started working for him. So okay, it was better money, <laughs> and it was uh, the work was easy, still easy. It was just maintenance work, so it's still easy. But it was better money. It was everything else was great. So I was working for him, and as a matter of fact, he I think he went over to Iraq with twenty two, and then. As they were coming before they came back, we landed there with the ninth NCR. So, so now, talk to me about uh going and getting the call that you were act, 
that this time it was for real. You guys are actually going to deploy to a combat zone. Um, were you, what was your mindset like when you got that call that, Hey, we're actually, this time it's for real. It's now what, three years after you were supposed to go the first time. Yeah. This time I'm separated from my wife and I have, my son's living with me. I don't have custody. He's living with me. Right. So, and then my other two girls are living with my ex-wife. So I was like, you know what? I need to get divorced before I leave. So I went, when, when, when we're, we didn't have anything together other than the kids. So we went in and um, I started with papers, got divorced and requested to leave two weeks later. So that way I could, the paperwork would be finalized. So everything was finalized. And then, uh, but going back before then, so knowing all that, I get home, I was like, shit, I have my son here. What I'm gonna do, he doesn't wanna go back with his mom because they're, they get along great, but it was just, I don't know, something was going on, you know, kid, young kids, parents can divorce, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's not good. So we went ahead and um, uh, worked out the details and uh, that was the hardest part, letting them know I'm gonna be taking off, so. And then after we worked out everything out, I went ahead and took off. So it was, it was scary and didn't know what to do. And luckily everything worked out for the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the difference between 2003 and 2006 was a completely different warfare at that point in time. The, mm -hmm. the IED threat had become real. Um, I know a couple of CBs that got hit hard. You do too. Um, so where did you guys end up going? Did you guys go to Fallujah or to, to Al-Assad or? No, most of our guys went to Fallujah, me included. And, um, some went to Blue Diamond, Ramadi. Yeah. And others went to, uh, I can't remember the other place, but to because the regiment is really small, so we don't have we don't have like a hundred and some odd people versus six hundred like battalions have. So, yeah. pretty much just stayed in Fallujah and a uh, couple of little um, outfits like that. So, what year were you, what year were you in Fallujah, or not? What year? What time of the year were you in Fallujah? February of '06, and I think I left in October or November of '06. Okay, so you you were there. You were leaving as I was getting there. Oh, okay. So you spent the summer there. Yeah, yeah. The end Completely. of the winter, summer there, yeah. Which is another uh, climate change hell over there compared to Great Lakes <laughs> or to Biloxi or uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. I don't know why I said Biloxi. Well, so, what, <laughs> so what was the um, what was regiment doing versus battalion? Regiment, okay, regiment. So we always saw um, two, I think it was two or three uh, CB battalions, one Army um, engineering group and one our, one Marine engineering group. So we're over those those four people who are five, whatever it was, <coughs> battalions, uh, groups. <clears throat> and so my job was, when I first got there, was to be forward ops, which is operation, right? And then um, they said, okay, well, we got another job for you, Roy. We want you to go over there to work in the class four yard. 
because we need you to go work class four yard, which is uh, class four is building materials. So think of a Home Depot as a class four yard. That, one, that was me. So I went over there. I was one of the guys in charge of it. So first thing we need you to do, Roy, is, or Aguillon, do inventory, what you have. Like, oh, my God. Have 25 acres of stuff. Three giant warehouses of, of stuff in there. Talking about nails, bolts, little stuff, you know, like that. And then we have big stuff like ACs, big old air conditions, small air condition, different size AC units, lumber, concrete, Jersey barriers, Alaskan barriers, uh, Texas barriers, all kinds of barriers. Like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. So we started doing that. And then uh, back then, it was still in the time the CVs had crap crap uh, equipment. So my forklift we had to operate to pick up all the stuff was a, uh, I think it was called a 10 ton forklift, which is a huge forklift. Huge massive. Yeah, 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 in the middle, yeah, correct. And it was an old Vietnam forklift. So you stop 20 feet away and you press the brakes 20 feet away and hope, and you flooring the brakes. <clears throat> and you're hoping you're going to stop before you hit something. So, so I went over to the Marine. The Marines had some Gucci forklifts. They always had some good stuff. So I went over to the supply Marines. I said, this is who I am. This is what I need. Can you hook me up? They said, this is who I am. This is what I need. <laughs> said, All right, what do you need, bro? Said, I need, uh, we need an AC. I said, I can make that happen. And I said, okay. So we, we did a little horse training. <clears throat> then there's the forklifts. <clears throat> By the way, this was the best job I ever had, was the, being moved to class four. The night comm comes in, a Marine unit, they come in. Hey, our gunny sent us over here. We need this, we need that. We're going to be able to share. And I said, well, tell your gunny he needs to go to Mayor Sales office to go put in his work, work request, send it this way. He says, well, they look at you. Well, what do you need? I said, well, what do you, what do you are you? So we were communist. I said, well, I don't have, I need an internet here. Can you make that happen? And I need a phone. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's load your shit up. And then uh, then the day I had fiber optic line running in there. <laughs> and my phone was working great. So I could call home anytime I wanted. <laughs> and uh, Well, you, you, you know what they call ninth com? No. Their their nickname is Ninth Crime. Oh, I love them. <laughs> they're they're a bunch of little hood rats, but yeah, I I know exactly who Ninth Crime is. Yeah, <laughs> they they do make shit happen. Yeah. So, um, did you have to do any site visits? Did you leave yeah, the buyer? Yeah. yeah, we did a site, couple site visits. We did one. Uh, I think I was with uh, let's see, when I was with Ford Ops, uh, we went to. Cricket, Cricketdorf. Uh, I don't remember the, that was the nickname, Cricketdorf, which was a um, Iraqi base. They had some CBs there building some things for them. So we went over there to go see, and it was just, and these Iraq is like you're saying the tribal mentality. Yeah. So the Southern Iraq doesn't like the Northern Iraq. So I, I don't remember the names of each other, but they hate each other. And so, as one battalion is leaving from the south, the new the new battalion is coming from the north, of the people from the south or vice versa, it doesn't matter which one, they'll shit on the floor, 
take terrible all kinds of stuff. It was it was so gross. <laughs> so what was uh, I'm Are we there by this? Hello. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh. Okay, okay, I'm back. back. Sorry so um, I'm assuming by this point in your deployment, you actually have ammo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got ammo. <laughs> no, we have ammo. <laughs> we got plenty of um, ammo. Because, <laughs> damn, that would suck going outside the wire without any ammo. But yeah, so we you, had ammo and we had a, let's see, did I have a pistol? Yeah, I think I had a pistol too because uh, we're the regiment. So we had a, yeah, I had a nine mil and a M16. So um, that that first time going outside the wire when it becomes real, um, you, I don't know about you guys, but we had hit the the loading ramp right as you're about to leave the gates to Fallujah, and you would go to condition one. Oh yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when? Do you remember your first time outside the getting ready to leave the wire? It's um scary shit. You don't know what you're doing. Now, now it was me and the officer, me and one officer went and um with the army. They were they were taking us in the Humvee. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Holy shit. And then uh of course everything's bulletproof, right? So but bullet uh, almost all bullets. Bullet, bullet almost proof. Yeah. <laughs> so and uh, she says, the lady, she's a, I don't remember her name, but she was driving and she was badass. She was missing everything on the, everything on the road. So, and you just hear, she's like, we're getting shot at. I was like, where? <laughs> so it was just. So did, did you guys take contact? Huh? Did you guys take contact that first mission out? Yeah. 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 So, and then the, the next mission was um, Hilo flight. So. We flew in a Hilo and a little little bird, which was really oh, cool. First time one of those little birds, it was nice. It was just me and uh, another officer. We went to go and inspect some stuff, and uh, but when we went to land, he shots off all all his flares go off. <laughs> and that night, yeah, that night was that that pace was crazy. That night before we went to bed, we just hear. Bah, 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 bah. Like, oh shit, we're taking incoming. So I'm walking over there. I was like, uh, you know what? I'll let the Marines handle it. I'm going to go back <laughs> to my pub. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, so, I mean, but, but incoming mustn't, must not have been that uncommon because I know we, we got incoming all the time when I was in Fallujah in, in late 06. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the guys before us had said it was like almost a daily occurrence that, that mortars would fall on that base or a rocket would come in. Yeah. So income, incoming is a really weird situation after about the first month. I mean, it got to a point where I just kind of ignored it. I was like, oh, I'm walking to the exchange and you hear the incoming alarm and everyone's <laughs> running. I'm just like, if it hits me, it hits me. I'm just going to keep going. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. But the but but a firefight it's a little bit different. Yeah, there that, is a requirement of there. There is definitely a requirement of active participation in a firefight. Yeah, there was there was a firefight out there. I was like, mm, they don't know I'm here. They don't know I'm coming out. I don't want to get shot by friendly fire. So uh, you know what? Best thing just to go back in. 
So, so I mean, and plus they want their builder to be actually able to build the shit that they broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the funniest thing when we first got to Fallujah, right, we're staying in Camp Notch, which is named after, um, oh God, I forgot his name. It's rate, but he was one of the first CBs that died there in, uh, in the Fallujah. So they named it after Camp Nod, went after him. So um, the, to go to the restroom to their head, it was a, all porta potties. So there I'm like, all right, I'm in the porta potty doing my business. And I, I just kaboom, kaboom. And you can feel it. You can feel it to the whole body. You can feel it shaking the porta potty. Like, oh shit, I'm going to die in this, I'm, I'm going to die taking a shit in this blue thing. <laughs> and I get out, everybody's just walking around like normal. It's like, what's going on? Oh, it's outbound. I was like, yeah. oh. That, that was, honestly, that was one of my fears whenever I went into the shitter was, <laughs> please, do I do not want to get blown up on the shitter. Yeah. <laughs> it, just not the way I want to go. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of the things that you learned really quick. And especially, so you guys were, I remember, right, the CB Battalion when I got there was, so the, the North Gate that went out towards the north and then you had the big southern gate where all the truckers uh where all the trucks yes. came in mm -hmm. you guys were kind of up and around by that north gate over by uh where the px was the chapel and um yeah 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 surgical yeah so you guys were kind of out that way towards there was a whole set of ranges and fire that constantly burned shit that we probably shouldn't have been breathing yeah but um we were in Camp Rhino by DFAC one. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Way over in the side, and our first place that we lived was literally <coughs> ten feet away from one five five pits, sending rounds out every night. Oh, I know what that said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. can't sleep. <laughs> no, but you quickly learned the difference between incoming rounds and outgoing rounds. Yep. There's a versus a kaboom. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, speaking of which, so how was life in the CB camp for you guys on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, for us, it was good because we're a regiment, so we had a smaller quarter, so we had a, it was a hardened building. And um, it was pretty good for us. Uh, I, my, where we lived and where I worked was by Southgate, right? So where all the big trucks would come in because I also okay. had all the gravel pits were mine too so and any truck coming in from the iraqi trucks will come in and dump their the load and i had to go out to the marine corps um what do call them uh where they had all the cash acts pallets of cash right american cash so i'll go there wait wait why didn't i know about this because <laughs> i had to pay use some <laughs> i had to pay the iraqi so i had to go there and request okay this is my request i need this to pay for this so, okay now I'll take it to the truck driver. Here's all your cash. So then they'll take off. So, but uh, to go, I had a, had a quad, uh, one of those. Uh, oh, one of the Gators quad. things? Yeah. No, no, actual four-wheeler, ATV. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I had an ATV. Oh, wow. so, yeah, it was pretty fun driving that thing around. And I was I'm behind, I'm between tanks and stuff. <laughs> what, what I don't think people realize, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm just, go go cbs like i am go corman but uh there's not another comparable unit in the military that does the same thing that the cb does is there 
No, I mean, you have Red Horse, which is the Air Force, and you have the Army engineers, and then you have the Marine engineers, but they're more, the Army and the Marine engineers are more, um, build it quick and just go, and it's just a temporary thing. And then the Air Force, uh, Red Horse, they're similar to us, but they they can't compete against us. <laughs> so to yeah, say. I mean, but it, like the CB Battalion is legendary for those who know anything about like construction with the military. At least that's the way I see it. But um, the reason why I bring that up is because I know that you guys are in high demand across all spectrums of military engage, uh, military units. I, I know the SEALs use you quite regularly. So you guys are kind of like the in-house rock stars to an extent, or at least the in-house, hey, buddy, can you hook me up with something? Oh, yeah. We had uh, the SEAL team came over, and, of course, they have the SEAL team has their own CBs attached to them. And they all, they asked for, they need, and then they, went, they all went through proper channels, of course, but um, they. Did they really? Most of it went through proper channels. In this <laughs> <laughs> and then, so we we gave them everything they needed and we took all the stuff over there. So it was, it was pretty fun. They showed us their, they're going out to nine missions. They showed us their um, gun turrets and they had like twin. It was so cool. I've never seen this before. Twin, um, it was um, twin 50s. 60 cows. Or two, huh? Yeah. Twin 240 goals. Yes. Yes. And it, it was, I was like, Whoa, this is cool. I'm going to go out with you guys. <laughs> uh just more 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 firepower for them to shoot at shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so with that mission did you guys um did you guys have any casualties with the ncr let's see no not not that time no we did have on the people that are under us we had a few casualties yes we had um, some army guys, um, some marines, and some of our CB battalions that underneath had some casualties. Yes. So, um, at the end of your deployment, you come home. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like? I mean, obviously, you had been overseas to Kosovo for nine months, but this was a whole. This was an actual no shit shooting war. That one was. Uh, oh, she's. I met up with some friends. We went to Chachos, I think it was, by I-10 and Warsbach or something like that, some little Mexican restaurant, and went to eat and drink. And I've, I couldn't, I was had to use two hands to eat something because I got so nervous. That I don't know what the hell happened. And it was weird because it was like your hypersensitive was going on and you, you're looking around and just, now I'm reaching, I'm getting up to go to the restroom and reaching for my weapon. You know, like, where is it? You don't want to get in trouble because you lose the weapon. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, did you, um, how long was your demo process? And that, um, couple weeks, I think, at the most. Not, not that they, long. Did they talk to you about um, exactly what you said happened? Did they give you any indication? Hey, these are some things that you should. And I bring this up because I think that the reserve side gets kind of the ass end. Of, no, no. And then and, and, and to follow up with that, with the um, 
the active duty side, because we talked about that with the active duty guys. Yeah. They have each other because they all went together, right? And they come back together and they work together. And they could fall in each other a little bit more than we can. Because when we get home, we all go our separate ways. We all go back to the family. We all go back to our civilian life. So it's, it's, it's like, it's different. You don't get that, um, um, how was that word I'm looking for? Like decompression? Decompression, that's the word, yes. So, I mean, like, how was it going back to work? I, I don't know how long you took off once you got back, but I'm assuming you went back to your regular full-time job pretty quick after you came back. Yeah, I went, yeah, I went took off a couple of weeks and then went back to work. And then uh, it's like, well, like everything's back to normal. Nobody knows who you are and everybody, uh, where you been? I was like, oh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Very, very, yeah, that must have been, that must have been really weird knowing, um, not saying that, that regular work isn't doing something good, but being over there, feeling like you're part of a far bigger mission mm -hmm. and then coming home and getting your paycheck again like that. I mean, relative to, like you said, with the active duty, the active duty, unless you're PCSing right away, you're sticking around those guys for another six months to two years. Correct. Yeah. So at this point in time, when you get back, are you still a B1 or had you picked up chief at that point? Mm -hmm. B1, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, let's see, 09. 2009, I'm back with 2009. Uh, NCB 22 says they're going back to, Af they're going to Afghanistan. And, uh, the chief I was working for, uh, civil service, is now the command master chief for the unit. So he oh, says, wow. yeah, he says, Roy, oh, Aguillon, you're going to go with us. I said, sir, oh, I said, master chief, I don't want to go with you guys. I want to go to a different unit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bullshit, you're going with us. I'm like, son of a bitch. I said, all right, all right, I'll go with you guys. And so <clears throat> getting ready to deploy, we're going through all the training, right? You have tons of training before you deploy. So that's one thing you have to do a lot of training before you deploy, which is good because it's great for everybody. And then I find out I picked up chief. I was like, I was like oh, yay, no, yay, no. <laughs> so it's great because I picked up chief, but it's like, fuck, I picked up chief. I might have to do it. So there's more shit I got to do. <laughs> so so you, you go through your special chief, uh, Cheap thing, yeah. While you're on mobile or on pre-deployment yeah. workups, that must have been interesting. It was. It was something different. <laughs> so, what what time of the year did you guys actually leave for Afghanistan? Then, Let's see, July. Yeah, it was July to July when. Yeah, so July to. July to June or something like that. I can't remember the dates. Oh, so you were over there for almost a full year. Oh yeah. Well, no, I left. We left in June and came back in late May. So yeah, almost a full okay. year. Oh wow. Okay. So um, <clears throat> you've been to Europe during a conflict. Mm -hmm. You've been to the Middle East during a conflict, and it seems like these are step downs. So Europe was probably fairly modern, relatively modernized. 
Iraq was not modernized after we went and broke it really bad. Mm -hmm. And then you go to a country that doesn't even know what the word modern is. Oh, yeah. For the most part. Um, you And it sounds like you went at the battalion level this time, not at the regiment. Yeah, I went to battalion level. It was great. So. <laughs> so here you are, no offense, a boot chief um, going into probably one of the ugliest conflict zones that we've had. Where did you guys end up? Leatherneck? Um, I was first in Kuwait, where everybody lands in Kuwait. And then I was like, all right. Then I was in, um, I was in Bark. Also with Embark. So getting all the flight data, mailing stuff, that's Embark. So it's like, all right, I'm going to stay in Kosovo. I'm not in Kosovo, I'm sorry, Kuwait. <clears throat> Don't need a whip in here. <laughs> but I still get paid the same amount. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I have my internet here coming over here. I'm going to have my cable TV. I'm solid. Then the CO says, I get on you coming up here. I said, fuck. <laughs> I said, all right. I need, we're going to have, I guess, about 40 more people coming up with you. So make sure everybody got, gets the gear up and come on up. I said, all right. So we get to, all right, we're at, um, oh, God, I forgot the name. Hold on. It comes to me. Um, Kandahar. Okay. Okay. Kandahar. So, did you guys fly straight into Kandahar? Did you go through Bagram? No, because I don't. I, I, so, I'm assuming this was you probably flew in on a C-130 or something. Oh no, see, the, the next level up, we went on the C-17. C-17. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, at least been in a couple of those. Not too bad of a not too bad of a platform to fly in. No, no, a lot better than C one thirty. Yeah. What you didn't you didn't want to get your nets crushed again? No, hell no. <laughs> Sucks. So um, you get to Kandahar. This is two thousand nine. So yes. yes. Uh-huh. We're getting ready to be pretty kinetic in terms of uh, ground combat within the next six to eight months if yes. i remember right the push yeah, the the march off. yeah so were you guys involved with any like of the prep work or any of the i don't know building out for more troops come in what were what oh were yeah you guys doing? all the above we had people all over the place there we had them in i think we had a few in camp Lennick. i'm not 100 on that one but we had some people at different forward operating bases to do building work. And then uh, uh, myself, we they had me doing, I was in charge of Charlie company there. So we were building tons of um, uh, buildings for them, different kinds of buildings. You name it, we were building it for them. So, so were, you, were you, was was your company going out forward of uh the wire or were you guys all hard based at that time there were some going forward and some like majority of us stayed at the hard wire within the kind of hard so how was that deployment in terms of how much different was it than than your iraq deployment (sighs) yeah well i guess for me i had more people to be responsible for because Iraq, I didn't, I don't have myself and maybe five others that I had in charge of. And Kandahar, I had 
over 100 people that was in charge of making sure they get to where they need to be. Oh, it was a headache. <laughs> but making sure everybody was safe, everybody do, doing their proper job. And then uh, it was it was just, it was a nightmare at times. But we got through it, thank so God. Were you guys there when the push, when the push into... Um, to build up? Not just the buildup, but the, when they started to push into, is it Mar, was it Marjoff where they hit yeah, hard? Yeah, we were there. In that area? Did you guys have CBs out there with the Marines? I don't know. They probably did, but I don't think it was us. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, I'm assuming that was a pretty much a, a hairier deployment than uh, Iraq. Yeah, I think this one had a lot more incoming. <laughs> a lot more incoming. We we actually had um, one, two, uh, four people injured. So on that one. So yeah. From from your company or just from the battalion? From the battalion itself. They, those those guys were at a forward operating base. So. So I, I don't know anything about. Uh, the main base over at Kandahar, but I can tell you all day long that Fallujah was a pretty well-kept base. Was Kandahar a as much of a hard base as Fallujah? Yeah, well, it was a UN base. So oh, okay. had all, all kinds of, they had one place in the middle of the base called um, Boardwalk, which is literally, it was a huge area with like a, deck and like a huge deck around it going around with a bunch of little shops, little Haji shops, oh, nice. whatever you say. They sold little um, cell phones there. So everybody bought their cell phone when they got there or, or their little cards to, you know, call each other within the base or home, but call home, it's really expensive. <laughs> so, and then they had uh, like a hockey ring there without the ice. There's a lot, a lot of Canadians there, a lot of Canadians. Uh, so, the, the, the Canucks. Canucks, yeah. And then they, before we left, they built a TGIF Friday. Uh, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. God, you think about the legacy of the Seabees. Uh, well, that was, that's the UN. And now it's TGIF Fridays. Yeah, that was the UN. Yeah, it was something different. It was it's pretty cool stuff. So it was, uh, it was a good deployment. It was also nerve-wracking and fun and worrisome and all kinds of stuff all all in between you have everything so but at that time um i need to take a break pee break okay yeah pee break yeah all right so after our quick bathroom break we're back so so i was saying um when you came home or at this point in time you were at a about 20 years in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made chief about 20, 19, a little over 19 years. Yeah, so, you know, I'm gonna go back before this. Um, so at this time, before I left, I'll tell you a little side story before I left. So <clears throat> at this time I have custody of my son, my son's living with me. It's his senior year in high school, right? So he wants to graduate and then my ex-wife remarried and his and her husband is a Marine teaching boot camp at um, 
no, he was in bootcamp yet. He was a, I don't know what job he was doing, but he was in Quantico. Wait, Quantico? I don't know. Quantico, one of those. No, he was in North Carolina. Oh, Lejeune. Lejeune. Lejeune, yes. Thank you, Lejeune. So he was in Lejeune. So I told my son, I'm going to be taking off again. What do you want to do? You want to go live with your mom? He says, but this is my senior year. I want to stay here. He says, but I think I want to go to live with my mom the first six months and then come back after Christmas break and then live in the house by myself and finish graduated with the graduate over here and with my graduating class. I said, okay. I think you're mature enough to do it. So, and so I let him stay there. So he went live with his mom, then came back and then he lived by himself for the last six months, I guess, of his uh, high school year. So, okay. That's a, I was worried about that a lot too. Yeah. That's a pretty big decision. Yes. But so I take it he graduated though. Yeah. Yeah. So now um, when you came home this time, you're over 20 years in. Right. Are you thinking about retirement or are you thinking, Hey, if I can put a star on, I can go to 28. And I, you know what? I thought about that, but I was like, you know what? The Navy's changing a lot. And I, I, back then I talked to the, the detailer to get a new, to go somewhere else because I, said, I don't want to stay with 22 anymore because I already done my job. I want to go someplace else. So the detailer was uh, Master Chief uh, Garza, Lotto, was my detailer. Oh, okay. So nice. I said, Lotto, I want to go someplace, not a battalion. I don't want, I want, I hate evals. Evals suck. I hate doing them. And he says, well, we have this one, we have this one. We have a CBMU 303 out in uh, San Diego or Porinini. Oh, CBMU, CBMU stands for camp or it's a camp maintenance unit. So it's a bit, it's a maintenance unit within the the base. So I was like, well, how many people in the, in the maintenance unit, right? I came from a work maintenance and civilian side. So it's like 20 people at the most out of 20 people, maybe two or three first classes. That's me coming in. I've got to do two or three evals done. My first day, I get to Porto Animi, the mess chief there says, hey, what's going on, Roy? And I'm, starting with, I'm the OIC, the mess chief, and you're going to be my AOIC, which is assistant officer in charge. Okay. What we need you to do this first weekend, we've got 22 first class evals to do. Here you go. 22? How many people in this unit? He says, we have 800 people in the unit. 400 active, 400 active duty, 400 reservists. And it's oh, wow. all of California. So you got, I was like, mother, God, dog it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. 22 evals to do in one weekend. I was like, wow. oh my God, how am I going to do this? So, and then here comes two more chiefs coming up. I was like, you two come here. <laughs> We're going to bite this thing. Here you go. That's still a ton of evals to do, especially <laughs> the fact that you just got there. You don't know anything about those sailors. Exactly. And so I was like, oh my God, we're doing. And the one thing I hate to do is evals. That was the first thing you gave me. Oh man. <laughs> so so you um so did you stay with that unit until you retired? Or yeah, yeah, it was a great unit. Yeah. When the first year was in 
all Porto or Porto and Emi was the first year, and then the second year was all San Diego, or third year. Oh, something. okay. So did you um, did you try to put on a star, or did you were you just content with retiring? I was content 24? with retiring. I I filled out the paperwork, but I didn't. There was some stuff I left out. I was like, ah, you know what? Whatever. If I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. So, so now we get to what was it, 2013, when you retired? Yeah, and I was going through a lot of medical problems. So I just had two back surgeries by then. I was on hydrocodone, and I was like, uh, you know what, it's time. Yeah, there, time there's a, there's, there is definitely a time when your body says, time to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a lot of people fail to listen and then get out too late and suffer the pain afterwards. But right. so you, you get out and are you still doing the, at that point in time, are you still doing the, um, the civil service jobs? Yes. Yeah. So did you, uh, after you retired, did you go through the uh, VA process or have yeah. you gone through the VA process? The VA yes, process? Yes, yes, I did. And um, I went through it. It was like a pain in the butt, but um. I think I got 10% the first time around, or 20%. <laughs> then you have really? to pick it up. And then I, the second time I got 50%. And then third time, 70%. The fourth time, I'm at 90% now. So it, it's just a headache. You have to, and then going back again, it's just. So since then, I'm no longer working civil service. Um, I got medically discharged from them <laughs> because I could no longer do my job. And during that time, I also got my bachelor's degree, so I could move on with civil service to a different position. But I, I have no clue what was going on with the HR guy. I told him, look, I have my bachelor's degree. <clears throat> well, I, first of all, I told him, look, I was a chief petty officer in the Navy. Okay, now I'll put you in a position for um, GS4 position. I was like, GS4? Yeah, that's the highest you could get for being an E7 in the military. I was like, like what? okay, I also have my bachelor's degree. He said, well, okay, in that case, maybe a GS5 position. I was like, I said, I know people that are GS12s and with no degree. He said, well, they have experience. I said, exactly. I have a Navy, 27, 20 years plus. I have experience. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't really count like that. I was like, I was like, all right, so. We went back and forth uh, trying to get out of position. Everything failed. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this job. I can't be a carpenter anymore. I just can't do it anymore. I was like, where, where did I sign to get out? So he said, sign right here. I said, as long as I don't owe the government any money because I had to take advance leave. No, you're good. I said, all right, perfect. So, of course, one month later, one month to the date I, I got out, signed the papers. There was a, the government said, you owe $2,500 for all this stuff. I was like, son of a bitch. So I went back to the HR. He wasn't there. There was another guy there, just got out of the Navy. Great dude. He says, look, I'm new. I don't know. Let me take you to my boss. And the first thing I heard her out of her mouth was, how come you didn't apply for military or how come you didn't apply for disability or whatever it's called, disability retirement or medical retirement. I said, yeah. I asked him three different occasions. I, first term he said, I don't have enough years in. Second time he said, you're too young. 
And then the third time I took my daughter with me to be a witness, he said, you're too young and you don't have enough years. And he, she goes, I'm going to take care of him. Fill out this paperwork, please. So I filled it out, handed it back. I thought nothing of it. So I don't know, six months later, I get a, it's like a look at my bank account because I needed to go somewhere. I, I was broke. <laughs> so I was like, let me see how much I have to scrunch with, you know, to buy whatever. And there was 25K in the bank. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so they approved me and I got my back pay and everything else. So after that, so I was like, all right, I'm good now. I can oh, live wow. so, that's pretty nice then. That is so nice. In the, so in the past few years, you've just been um, doing your own thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I got my, went back and got my license for insurance for life insurance, health insurance. I do mostly health insurance enrollments, so, which is oh, cool. Nice, nice. I like, I like the health insurance part. I understand it. I was like, I understand why it's cost so much. I don't understand why some people don't go back out for bed because they should go back for out for bed instead of just staying with the same people over and over. You know, it's a lot of, or he's my friend or he's a good family friend. Yeah. But that family friend is fucking you and your employees. So Ooh, yeah, but yeah, you can't tell him that. Otherwise, you could screw. So, like, okay, well, I'll be here whenever you decide to go out. But after that, I had somebody ask me, my one well, of my nephew asked me to build him a table. So I said, okay, let's build you a table. So I built him a table, and then that led to another table, and led to another something else. And now we do, me and my son and my wife and everybody else, we build furniture, but I mostly just oversee it and tell them, give them the, what to do. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So yeah. you got a little side gig going on. Yeah, yeah. You do some good nice. furniture, so now, and then my son stopped working with me. <laughs> he does more of a, not, I don't know what he does, podcast or does the Carpenter Apprentice. You, so is he doing, is he doing like this type of thing then? Like what? Is he doing like this type of thing? Like a yeah, podcast? I think you you saw him at the Blue Store. He's, he said he knew you. Yeah, and I yeah, I remember seeing him. I just didn't know that he did the. Uh, he does a, what his show is called the Carpenter Apprentice. So they do a right. lot of different things, and right now he, they're doing in conjunction with uh, La Prensa stuff. Oh, nice, nice. So, so you've stayed involved though, uh, much like I have, through different associations and in things yes how much have you seen the navy change since you got out lord have mercy <laughs> so much change i don't know it's especially like for the reserves they're doing their drills via zoom <laughs> which is totally weird i was like what yeah yeah we're doing it through zoom he said yeah we have to actually i can't drink right now until i finish my reserve duty i was like when are you doing it? He said, right now, I just have to go back to the Zoom and let them know I'm right here. So I was like, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah. Um, just, and yeah, then, there's. And just the paperwork, everything else changed, you know, like everybody else. It, they're always changing. And sometimes it's for the better. A lot of times it's just spinning the wheels. So, yeah. So now we're going to get to the fun part. So we had this really 
interesting thing that happened about a year ago. It was called uh, New Year's Eve 2020. And the year looked like it was going to be a really good year. Uh, the first couple months were pretty outstanding. And then March 13th hit and the shit show began. Uh, so how, how have you been dealing with everything that's happened this year or last year, technically? Now that it's well, the beginning of the year. So the beginning of the year, I think if you remember before that, just 2019, like December and November, we started a CB um, swarm where they yeah. came out, all the CBs or anybody that was attached to the CB at the time will come out and have a few drinks, laugh, tell see stories, you know, just stuff like that. And then um, we built that into an association now. So we ended up signing up with the National, CB National um, Veterans Association. And we're the first ever island. Well, we're not the first ever island. We're the only ever, we're the only island now in Texas with the association that call islands within their area. So we're the first island in Texas to have a CB association. So that during the positive. pandemic, we've been working with that, trying to get people involved. And it's so hard because we I have, I'm, I guess I'm the commander of this and we have other people now uh, as officers. All of them are go-getters. They want to go out and start doing stuff. I said, guys, we can't do it. We've got to hold off. Too much is going on. I don't want to be responsible for that. You're the guy that got all these people sick. Right, right. Well, we're going to hold off on that, but we're going to build it up as, as best we can. So with their, we've been building up. I think so far we have about 40-someone members, which is pretty good. So when did it become official? Uh, June or July, I believe. Okay. And and how in God's name did Texas not have a, another CB association member prior to well, prior to this group? This is a whole association the association started back in the East Coast and it's it's coming this way slowly, but and like every association, it's like all the old VFW, it's all run by the older people and the younger kids don't they're like, oh it's not for us, it's for the old people. Like, no, guys, yeah. it's for everybody. You know, it's not just an NMCB 22 thing, it's a CB thing. So whatever's, if you're active duty or reserve CB, it doesn't matter, or you're attached to us, it doesn't matter. You're more than welcome. One of our officers was, is an Air Force veteran. And he oh, asked, wow. can it be a CB? He's attached to us. Well, he's one of the officers now, but he always, he went to the CB school. So by being going to the CB school, he was he's eligible to be part of us. So, and one of the other officers, uh, her husband was a Marine Corps, but when she was attached to Okinawa, she was working for the Seabees as a civilian. So that's how she oh, okay. came to us. So she handles, she's she's actually a VSO, Veteran Service Officer out in Seguin. So she's working for, with us now, and she's our VSO officer for the Seabees as well. So if anybody so has what, any questions, you could go up to her, so. So, so what's the mission of the association? Like, I know the VFW is to support uh, veterans of foreign wars. Uh, what's the mission for the CB association? It's pretty much the same thing, but a more narrow area. Anybody with a CB or attached to CBs, we're more than welcome. So we're trying to help our own via the same way that uh, we don't have 
the resources that the VFW does, but we're trying to get them, or, or we go to the VFW if we need to, to get some of the resources. So it's a smaller area for us to come talk and lie about different things or say we did all kinds of John Wayne stuff, so. But you did. <laughs> it may have been in your head, but you did. There you go. <laughs> so um, how do people find out about the association in general and the local chapter if they wanted to be part of it oh. and they were former attachments or CBs? This, let me get the website. I need to take off my glove. I'm bad. I'll forget the website. I'm yelling at me for that. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so Ray's had a, or Roy's had a uh, change of scenery. And it looks like he's getting back on. We had an internet. Okay, there you go. <laughs> have to get off the computer and come to the phone. No problem, man. So you were saying the uh, the address or how people can get a information on the CB Association. Oh yeah, it's CB CBs with the S TX X one dot com. So S E A or S E yeah S E A B E E S T X one dot com. Uh, TXX1.com. Oh, TXX1. Okay. Yeah. I will, I will get that from you. Uh, if you can message me the link, I'll put it in the little description file so they can reach out and join if they want to. Yeah. But, please. So after all of that, uh, with the CB association getting started, how are you doing during this crazy pandemic time? Oh God, it's worrisome. I mean, you got my wife works at San Antonio College, and so she had to leave work. So she's working out of the house, and my daughter's had to come home from school, and she's doing school work from out of the house. And I live in uh, I live in rural area, so here's my backyard right there. So you oh, see nice. this. There is um internet here is huge net. I have twenty megabytes per second, I think it's called. Yeah. Or yeah, seventy-five dollars a month. Ooh. And it's super, super slow. So he tried to get my wife on a Zoom meeting for her work and my daughter doing her school work at the same time. It sucks. <laughs> Well, if I were you, I would look into signing up for the Starlink beta. I think they're pulling about 100 megabits down, so about five times faster down and around the same price-ish. What is it called? Starlink. Um, it's SpaceX's. I will. I'll send it to yeah. you. They, right, they do, they're doing a beta program. Huh? <laughs> no problem. They're doing a beta program right now, so th they're looking for rural area people to do some testing. Um, but let's it to so what's your take on 2020 is it a wash did you i don't know no i think it's it's good right uh, i'm came back in with the wife 
And she don't want me to She's like, I'm reading a book, leave me alone. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think it's a wash. We learned a lot. And it's it's sad, but it, we learned a lot. We learned that what sucks is not being able to get with the my older kids. Right now, I live with, I have four kids. So the youngest is, she's nine years old and she lives here with me and my wife. But the older, my older kids live out to live well all three of them live separate so we're not able to see them like we want to yeah no that makes sense and there there is some safety precautions that definitely you know if you're in a higher risk category you should be following yeah so you know and and same time i do i i sit on a school board for a charter school so we also have to have to worry about those kids in this school and seeing what are we doing to help them to keep them from everybody from getting sick? So we have a great superintendent, so which I uh, thank God, and he's doing an awesome job on getting keeping everybody safe out of harm's way. So nice, nice. So do you have any do you have any predictions for twenty twenty one? It can only could get better. <laughs> You're a dreamer. <laughs> or I'm or I'm just a real sadistic person and think, oh, 2020 just or 2021 just told 2020 to hold its beer. <laughs> I hope we not. That's my own opinion. <laughs> but you know what? People like us will will always come through this on the better end. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, last week, my I like I said, I had Two back surgery I mentioned before. I actually had three, so my I'm having a hard time sleeping. So, been calling my doctor, the VA, trying to get an appointment. And I I don't know if you ever called the VA. I was on the hold for an hour and a half. No. I finally hung up. Did that twice in a row. I was like, you know what? I told my wife, I'm just gonna go to Audie Murphy. That's where my doctor's at, and get appointments myself in person. And I get there, there comes a nurse walking down the hallway. Hey, do you want a COVID shot? We got extras. I'm saying, oh, yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so I was able to get my first COVID shot there, the Audie Murphy, send my doctor's appointment up, get an x-ray done, and my lab work all done at the same time. So I was like, this is good well, stuff. At least, you, <laughs> at least you got the first round of the vaccination while you were there, because I was going to tell you, if you want to get COVID, the place to go to get COVID is <laughs> yeah, the, the hospital. <laughs> they 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 will give you that as a side note for free. So, um, yeah. have you, did you have any? You're the first. You're the first person I've talked to who's actually gotten the vaccine. So, have you had? Did you have any side effects? Any uh, pain or anything? No, it's it's a uh, the shot. It's the shot hurts, but it doesn't hurt like like um, anthrax shot. Have you you had the anthrax shot? I tried to get the anthrax shot. They wouldn't let me. That one hurts. Oh, yeah. I saw some big Marines after it went in. About two seconds after I pulled the needle out, they were tearing up. Dude, that but, one uh, hurt. This one doesn't hurt as bad, but it, it does hurt a little bit. It stinks, but he just massage it out. And well, I also, goes away. I, sight tenderness, I also don't blame necessarily on the vaccine. I blame that on the person giving the vaccine. Most of the oh, time yeah. when you have sight tenderness, it's a bad, it's of someone not injecting you the right way. That's oh. my two cents. But it's also the VA, so that was common to not. Yeah. 
<laughs> but no, that's actually one of the more common ones is a, is a little bit of pain is what I'm seeing so far when, when listening to people talk about their experiences on, you know, YouTube or something. Yeah. But so did you get, did you get any of the, like the fever chills or anything weird like that? Oh, uh, no, not at all. Okay. That's good to know. Um, I'll talk to you in six months and see if you have a third nose <laughs> or a third nostril. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. But then again, would you be surprised? So, uh, as man, long as I don't have COVID, I'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> there's there's days I think I'd rather have COVID than some of the shit that's going on right now. <laughs> but um, I'm going to let you get back to what you were doing before you got on this with me. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot. Thank you, sir. And good luck. And thank you for everything. I'll send you the info right now. Yeah, and I'll send you the Starlink info. And hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be up and running to where I can do this in person. And I will have you back so we can actually have a good conversation face to face. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, you brother. I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com. On Instagram, The Modern Ronin. On Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.